this morning. Um, I'm going to follow on from messages that Sean and Pastor Sean and Jane have covered over the last two weeks. Um, Aaron's writing the fact that we are looking at our church values. And uh, the last two weeks we've had um, Pastor Sean covered being Christ-centred and being biblically oriented. Last week, uh, Jane beautifully covered spirit-filled and led and prayerfully dependent. And the reason that we want to look at what our values are is because it's a way for us to know what we believe, why we believe it. And that then dictates how we act and and behave around each other, towards others. Um, And I think that's really important for all of us to know who we are as a group of people and what we believe and what's important to us. So today I'd like to highlight two more things that we place great value here on at Life You See. One of those things is being relationally connected and the other is being devoted disciples. And I'd like to do it a bit differently as a conversation this morning. I have Kerry and Richard here and I'll um, introduce them in a bit more detail in a minute. Um, And and both of these people are chaplains that attend our church. Uh, I want to start by sharing a scripture that caught my attention earlier this year when I do my morning devotions at home. Uh, There was a verse that I read. It's a passage that many of us will be familiar with. And if you grew up in Sunday school, I'm sure you will remember this story from your childhood at home, uh, your childhood. It's Matthew chapter 18, verse 12 to 14. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. He will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my will, my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Now, this passage is a parable. For those of you who don't know what a parable is, it's a simple story that Jesus told to help people understand something on a spiritual level, something that we could relate to. In this case, the people who make up the church are like a flock of sheep. We often hear this called the parable of the lost sheep, referring to people who don't know Jesus or have a relationship with him. When I read this scripture recently, that first sentence really caught my attention. It says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away. It made me realise this isn't just about people who have never heard about Jesus. This parable also refers to the ones who have been part of a Christian faith or had some experience with church and wandered away. When I think of a mob of sheep, um, I did grow up in the country, so I have had some experience with sheep and um, spent quite a bit of time in shearing sheds and things like that in my um, younger years. Um, But something I noticed about sheep is that there's always a few on the fringes. When a, a mob of sheep are being moved from one place to another, there's always some sheep on the fringes. And sometimes it's because they're young, the little baby sheep, the lambs. Sometimes it's because they're old or sick. Could be that they're injured. Maybe they've been distracted by a patch of green grass or possibly they've been caught in a bush or a fence. It made me think how easy it can start be for people to start drifting away from their faith because of things like hurt, disillusionment, busyness sometimes or not feeling like we're connected or belong. I love that this verse says, it is not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Something that we value here at Life You See is the importance of people being relationally connected. 
Our goal as a community of faith is to prioritise relationships of love and honour where every person is significant. They're valued and they're cared for, regardless of their race, their gender, their age or status. And I hope that you can see when you look across our congregation that we do have people of every age, of every culture, of different status, of different work situations. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, You are a member of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. If it isn't God's will that even one should perish, then it must be important for all of us to play our part in connecting people to him and to his family. Now, some people have the ability to easily bring God into conversations and connect people to a relationship with Jesus. Some people are natural extroverts and love nothing better than the opportunity to be social, to meet someone new, to be in a group of people they don't know and and connect with anyone that happens to want to talk to them. But for those of us who aren't quite that enthusiastic about social situations, we can all ask ourselves this question. Do I make others feel welcome and included? If you've been coming to Life UC for a while, there might be some faces you haven't seen for a while, particularly after COVID. I know even this morning, look around, there's some faces that I've seen for the first time in a while. And there might be some new faces that you've never seen before. It's so nice in some recent conversations I've had with people when they tell me that Life UC is friendly and welcoming. And I know that we don't always get that 100% right all the time, but I know that it's something that we value, something that's important to us. So this is a reminder for all of us to reach out to someone we haven't seen at church for a while. Catch up with someone for a coffee and see how they're going. Or introduce yourself to someone new at church. Your smile, your listening ear, or kind words, your generosity, or your invitation might be just what they need to know that they are loved by God and accepted as a member of his family. Now I've asked Kerry and Richard to join in the conversation this morning because they are both chaplains and have some valuable insights to share around the importance of building relationship with people and walking alongside others on life's journey. And now my page isn't going to cooperate. Okay. So Kerry Frizzell is an army chaplain who recently got posted to Canberra um, and she's been mostly attending the City Hub. I think usually you go to the City Hub. Um, And when I was talking to Kerry earlier, this is her first time of living in Canberra. She's a Brisbane girl. So this winter weather, we're really turning it on for you this week. Um, and just, I'm just amazed, Kerry, um, just in our conversation before, talking about how your husband lives in, in um, Brisbane still and you commute between here and there depending on what requires you to be on the job. Um, you've done the same in Darwin and other places and I just want to acknowledge what an amazing commitment that is to what God's put on your heart to do. So thank you. So first of all, how long have you been in Canberra? Since January. Okay, so this is your first winter. <laughs> and just, I love it. Absolutely. I was so excited when I got Canberra as my posting. So, yeah, Very I'm actually good. excited. We all love it too, obviously, because we're here. So, all right. So, first of all, I thought it would be good to start with what is a chaplain? 
That's a very broad question, actually. So chaplain can be different things to different people, depending on the role of the chaplain. So there are chaplains in schools. There are chaplains in the military. There are chaplains in the police. There are chaplains in BHP. There are chaplains in various places. But the thing that that we all carry with us that is um, common when you're doing chaplaincy is the fact that we actually love people and want to connect with people and take people on a journey and walk beside people in their best days and their worst days. So that happens in every single aspect. It looks different in every expression, but the end result is that we are Jesus with skin on in places that um, we have For me, obviously, I wear a cross on what I do, and so it's a very obvious role. For a lot of you, yes, you can be doing that where you are, and please keep doing that where you are. But for us, it's a a nominated role where we're allowed to actually have that um, those conversations, Uh, depending, again, on where you're a chaplain and the freedom that you may or may not have with that. But, yeah, a chaplain is sometimes paid, sometimes not paid. There's chaplains in hospitals do amazing work and you can imagine the tragedy people see in hospitals. But where Jesus was skin on in places where sometimes no one else can go. That's a great way of putting it. Now, you work full-time as an army chaplain and yours is a paid role, yes? yes? Um, So what kinds of things do you do in your role as a chaplain? What does a a week or a year look like in your life? So this is (laughs) – there is no normal in the life of a chaplain. I know that Richard will have the same – Richard, sorry – will have the same thing, but um, it's – Completely different and I never know from day to day what my role is going to be. But the essence of what I do, and I had to write this down because I better make sure I say it like army policy. Um, But we have a pastoral part to our role where we walk beside members who are facing tragedy or difficulty, relationship breakdown, that kind of thing. We have a spiritual side. Now, army are very, believe it or not, have quite a thing about spiritual well-being, but that is across, it doesn't necessarily mean you have faith in God as we do, but there is a spirituality to your life. It's a well-being part, and we play a part in that. Um, It actually sees it very important when it comes to morals and ethics. We have a lot of ethical training in the army and we play a part in that character training. That's also an important part of our role in army. And then, of course, there's Anzac Day services, memorial services, where we have to get in our fancy stuff and do our thing and all of that. But it's it's an incredible honour to actually represent Christ in that place. Um, uh, obviously welfare issues. The other thing that we do is we bring advice to command. So commanding officers, brigadiers, commandants, etc., etc., will often ask for the chaplain's advice on various issues that are happening in their command. Um, it First of all, when I first walked into my very first army posting and realised I could just walk into the commanding officer's room whenever I liked and knock on the door and say, sir, ma'am, if you got a moment, they'll close the door and give you the time. It's an incredibly privileged role and I don't hold that lightly, but it's, you know, imagine that. It's just amazing. The other thing that we do is just a whole lot of fun stuff. Like I've loaded rockets onto helicopters. 
and, um, you know, got around with guns and shooting and do a whole lot of that fun stuff. But why do I do that? It's to be beside the soldiers and to get to know them and build rapport with them. So um, best job on the planet. <laughs> does sound like a fun job. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Now, I know that we have a video clip. We're hoping that technology will work. It's only freshly released and it does feature Kerry in it. So hopefully if we go to the screens right now, we will have a clip to show you. Army. It challenges everything you know and pushes you to the limit. Soldiers are hardwired to act, to fight for justice. They go to war to protect and serve, not only the people they love, but the whole nation. But some wars are fought at home with a faceless enemy. It's not just the Battle of Gallipoli that I remember on Anzac Day. In 2019, I was stationed on the south coast of New South Wales for Operation Bushfire Assist. My battalion's orders were to assist civilians in the rescue of what was left of their homes and businesses, their livelihood. These fires were the second wave of assault on our country after catastrophic drought. At the time, we didn't realise a third wave was around the corner. Floods. And before the waters had receded, the world changed yet again. An invisible enemy. COVID-19. But COVID knew no boundaries. It held no honour, gave no quarter, respected no one. And COVID shared a trait with another cruel foe. Sometimes a soldier's biggest battles lay invisible to the world behind walls of personal pain. Just like everyone else, they feared for their families. Assisting nursing homes in lockdown made them aware of loved ones they couldn't see. Checking border passes at a state line reminded them of their own family, a world away. For me, being an army chaplain means being willing and able to carry the burdens of those we serve. So when a parent passed away and my wife had a baby, I did what many of our soldiers couldn't do. Like a mother, sister, aunt or friend, I stood in their place, visiting loved ones, reaching out, building morale, extending love and support on their behalf. 120 years ago, the Federation gave birth to the Australian Army. Right from the start, Army chaplains were standing shoulder to shoulder with those entrusted with the protection of our nation. And throughout the whole 120 years, we persisted. And we're still standing shoulder to shoulder today. And while the Army is more diverse and more mobile than ever before, our role as people carers hasn't changed. Our service to God remains. We're committed to empowering our soldiers to be the best they can be because it's always been beyond the uniform, beyond the nine to five. It's a whole commitment to fulfill the call.
and it doesn't get higher than that. Australian Army Chaplains, positioned to serve beside those who serve our nation. That is such a good video. I'm so glad it was ready to show for today. So you know, working as an army chaplain obviously involves walking through some really tough seasons with people. Uh, sometimes we don't know what to say, uh, how to behave or what to do when someone around us is hurting. And I just wondered if you can share just a few key things you've learned as a chaplain that might help us you know, when we're trying to stay relationally connected to the people we care about um, when they're going through something difficult. Yeah, sure. First thing I want to say is relational connection starts before the difficult season. Um, it comes out of relationship, the walking beside. So just staying connected to people is a really, really important piece. I just want to share a story of, of how that happened for me with one particular member, and this was in a previous posting. They, from their particular culture that they came from, there were certain expectations and um, there was very a lot of pressure on this particular person to perform, to be the best and to be a certain way. And when this person came and saw me, after me spending a fair bit of time just, again, hanging out, being there, just being a friend, um, they was the first time that they disclosed to me that they were having, cha they were having challenges with their sexual identity. That's a huge moment for someone, I'd the first person that they'd spoke to, spoken to about that. And that's a huge moment, particularly if you understand the culture this person is coming from. They hadn't spoken, obviously, to their parents or anyone else. I was number one. And the first, what they needed was no judgment. What they needed was n not scriptures, not, um, well, I think that's wrong. They didn't need any of that. They needed my unconditional love, concern and care. And we spoke at length. We spoke for a long time. And at the end of it, I said, do you need a hug? And we hugged and we hugged and we hugged for a significant period of time because, and I, I kept saying into their ear, I said, pretend this is your mum. Pretend this is your dad. Accepting you for who you are. I'm going to work, walk on a journey. And I'm still in touch with that person and it's a long, long journey ahead. But the thing is, is just is to be there with them, to listen to their story and listen to all of their story. We can be so tempted to jump in when the first bit is said and think we can have an answer to the first piece. We need to listen to their entire story. There's reasons, there's why behind the what. There's reasons for people's brokenness and sadness and stuff. And if we just hear the first part and aren't willing to listen to the rest, we miss the goal that's in their lives and what has brought them, brought them to that place. The other thing, don't, you don't need the answers. So often we've, we think, well, we need to be able to put a, put a Band-Aid on that with this scripture or a Band-Aid on that with this saying or something on that with this song or here's a podcast for you or whatever it happens to be. We actually don't need the answers. We just need to be Jesus beside them and walk the journey with them to wherever that lands. And we all play a part in that. I'm only a small part in how people get supported and helped, whether that's in the army or in my life in general. Just stay the course, 
stay connected, no judgment, and you don't have to have the answers. Very good points. Hopefully that's helpful for some people who might be walking with family or friends or anyone at this time through difficult seasons. Now, something else we really value at Life You See is discipleship. And that's seeing people discover who Jesus is, uh, make a decision to become a part of his family and then grow in their faith. Colossians 1.28 says, So we continue to tell people about Christ. We use all wisdom to counsel every person and teach every person. We are trying to bring everyone before God as people who have grown to be spiritually mature in Christ. The question we need to ask ourselves is, as I follow Jesus, who am I discipling? Now, there are two parts to this question. First of all, what am I doing to follow Jesus is the first first thing to consider. And this is why we encourage people to come along to a Sunday service or watch online for those who are watching online this morning. It's the reason we have devotions on the church website each week and invite people to be part of a life group. It's why we offer courses like Alpha for new believers or people who are trying to understand what the Christian faith is about. And then the certificate for a ministry that we offer for people who want to understand their Christian faith in a deeper way. The second part of this question is, what am I doing to encourage someone else on their journey to know Jesus and grow stronger in their faith? As we leave the doors of this building on a Sunday or you know, our armchair if we're sitting at home watching and then we step out into the rest of our week, what can we do to build positive relationships with those in our workplaces, in our family and in our community? What can we do to come alongside and encourage those who don't even know Jesus yet, as well as those who might have wandered away or are starting to, to drift from their faith and their, their consistency and commitment to a church family? Our goal is that each person becomes a wholehearted or a devoted follower of Jesus Christ and that we would also help and encourage each other to become more like Christ. As it says in Colossians, we want to bring everyone before God as people who have grown to spiritual maturity in Christ. Now, Richard, we're going to talk about discipleship in a minute. But first of all, I know you do chaplaincy. Tra- oh, you did your chaplaincy training through Alpha Crucis and was it Salvation Army? Um, and we're going to have David uh, Campbell and Paul Wishart will be in the foyer and up in the cafe after the service. So if there are people today who think, wow, I never thought about chaplaincy, that's something I'm interested in doing, please go and have a talk with with David and Paul um, and they've got information there on different courses. There's sports chaplaincy as well. Um, Ricky Dio is meant to be here but his family's got COVID at the moment so they're not here. Um, but sports chaplaincy is another one that, that you can consider. Um, so... Uh, let me see. So what areas have you worked in as a chaplain, Richard? And where are chaplains needed? I think Kerry's touched on this a little bit. Uh, what kinds of opportunities are there for people who want to be a chaplain or do chaplaincy? Well, chaplaincy is needed everywhere, okay? So there's a thing that I'm pretty keen on, and if, if you've known me for any time at all, you'll know that, I, and I've spoken about it, it's a thing called marketplace ministry, which means that wherever you are in the marketplace, whatever role you're in, in your employment, at home, that's, that's where God wants you. That's where he's placed you. So I became a chaplain uh, here in this church in 2009. And I guess prior to that, um, the Lord showed me very clearly in about 2006, seven um, how loved I was by him. And once I knew that he loved me, I thought there's something more that I can be doing to be loving others. And so the Lord called me into chaplaincy. Uh, I can remember the time exactly. 
my wife and I were sitting in about late November, early December, and I said to my wife, I said, Shauna, I believe the Lord wants me to do chaplaincy. They just finished a promo at, at church and so I, I contacted Chaplaincy Australia and they said, um, registration closed two months ago. And I went, oh, that's okay. I believe God wants me to do it, so if, if, if that's right, you'll get me in. And so <laughs> they got me in the course and it was fantastic. I came back and Shauna goes, how much is it? I go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> he got me in, so he'll provide the way, you know. So that's where my uh, sort of chaplaincy started, okay. Before that, I was, I was always been involved in men's ministry. Um, whenever there was a, a sort of a male member in our church that was in hospital or whatever, I was one of the go-tos and I'd go and see them and just sit with them and pray with them. And, you know, so chaplaincy is needed everywhere that you are, you know. Colossians 3 says, work until you're working unto the Lord, you know. So, and, and again, just like Kerry was saying, you don't have to be doing it with Scripture. You don't have to be doing it in, in any other uh, theological capacity. It's just there. You know, one of the things that we speak about is the ministry of presence, you know, just being there. You know, my new role, um, I guess I've been a chaplain since since 2009 officially with a, with a plaque on my wall, but... Um, you know, my new role started last year. Uh, I'd left William Cole Funerals, as most of you know, I was a funeral director with, with Bill and Chris uh, for about 12 and a half years. We believed as a family the Lord was calling me out of that to what we, we thought we knew. But isn't it amazing that when you actually step out, it tends to look a little bit different when you start walking it. And um, I got a phone call at about uh, June, oh, no, June, probably about September last year, and uh, Sean was actually sitting with Brian Medway having a copy and he got a phone call from uh, a chaplain up north. He said, uh, we've just had some funding with the AFP. Is, is where I put my hat on, I suppose. <laughs> so with the AFP, um, do you know anybody who wants to be a chaplain? And, and Brian said, no. He turned to Sean and said, do you know anybody? He goes, I've got the bloke. Anyway, so he rang me, I rang him. We spoke for about 45 minutes on the phone. He ended with these words. Principal Chaplain Gail Mills, Gail will be in touch. And I said, oh, do you mean Gail Mills? He goes, do you know Gail? I said, I've known for about 10 years doing funerals. And he went, Richard, this is just perfect. And I went, well, it, it seems a little set up to me, <laughs> but God's good. Very good. Now, um, Bill Hybels has written a book called Just Walk Across the Room and I, I remember reading it quite a few years ago and he talked about different people playing a part in in moving someone closer to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, how have you seen um, people take a step forward in their faith journey through your relationship and conversation with them as a chaplain? Uh, when Danielle told, uh, showed me this question a few weeks back, uh, my immediate thought, and um, if you've heard the story before, just, just enjoy it again. But I had a, uh, a guy that I used to work with in the funeral industry. His name was his name's Paul and uh, he, was, he was a great bloke. He was a single guy. He had a uh, he was divorced, couple of kids. And, you know, we would just come alongside each other over a matter of, you know, you're talking sort of two, three years. You know, we worked together. We did funerals together. We did, you know, there was a lot of times that we spent just one-on-one -on -one in the car. And, and I noticed that there's something in his heart just started softening. He was of a, uh, he's Italian. He had a Roman Catholic background um, where some... Roman Catholics, not all, of course, but some Roman Catholics see God as the big, white-haired, 
bearded fella up in the sky with a big stick ready to belt you if you do something wrong. And that was his relationship with with who he saw God was. So I knew, I knew he needed a heart change. I knew he needed to have a, a different view of who God was. So I started inviting him to my, to my men's group, which was actually uh, at William Cole Funerals. I was very proud. I had the only life group in a, in a funeral home. <laughs> but we, we met as a group of guys and we were, you know, sometimes it was 9, 10, sometimes it was 13, 14. We just had a great time together and we just did life together. It was fantastic. And he just started softening. He started coming along. He started saying some things. He started relating to a couple of the other guys in the group, you know. And then I said, mate, we've got, we got something happening at church on the week. Why don't you come? And he went, oh, yeah, I'll see. And so that took probably six months of going, we've got something happening at church because we've always got something happening at church. So eventually he started coming. And it was one night that he came to a night service and it was just... It was just perfect for him. It was all about how much we are loved by God. You know, we're having a conversation the next day. I'm down washing, I think I was washing a hearse, so I must have been desperate because <laughs> most of the other guys were doing that at that stage. I was down washing the hearse and he came downstairs and he was pretty crook at the time. He had, he had a few health problems and uh, he came down and he just started talking with me and he said, that was very interesting last night. You know, it's the first time I've ever, you know, heard of this God of love. And I said, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It doesn't matter what we've done. You know, he loves us, you know. And he, he just looked and he went, yeah. I said, do you want to meet him? And he went, yeah, I, I will one day. I said, well, that's good. I said, what about today? He went, oh, I suppose. I said, what about right now? And I just led him in a very simple prayer, okay? He invited the God of love into his heart, you know? And it was just a beautiful thing to be a part of. He kept coming to church. He kept on coming back, coming back. He just kept growing. You know, even his daughter said there was a change in dad at this time. What I didn't know was that uh, about four months later, we buried him. But I know that he is now with that loving God face to face. And maybe if it wasn't me, it may have been someone else. Because God's got a plan that's bigger than any of us. But I look back at that and I go, thank you, God, that you gave me the courage just to say, what about now?